Good morning. There is an age-old saying that goes like this, times are a-changing. And it is as current as it is old. <laughs> it is a timeless truth. Today we are starting a series on the book of Nehemiah. And I don't know if you guys love that book, but I love that book. It is great. Ezra and Nehemiah, read them together. Uh, be prepared for the next few weeks as we go into this. Strong and godly leadership, and I think you'll all agree with me on this, is essential always. However, heighten during change. This is true in our church, in our churches across the world. It's also true in our lives. It's also true in our homes and in our workplaces. When we face hard change, difficult trials, criticisms, even blatant opposition in our lives, we need a resolve in those seasons to lead well. Equally, if we receive a directive from the Lord, God's calling us to do something, to accomplish something really big for him, we need a resolve to lead well. Nehemiah was a man that felt this call. He had a call to do something really big in a particularly difficult time. Previously, if you go into the history, God had made a covenant with Israel. And he had told them of a place that he would establish his name. And this was to be Jerusalem. This was Jerusalem. In Solomon's day, during the, the time the temple was built, there was a lot of good things happening. And Jerusalem was at the height of its glory. There was lots of money. There was too much money, Jewel. Too much money. God was being praised. He was being glorified. Then things changed. The Israelites said they turned from the Lord. They were blatantly uh, demonstrating faithlessness. And this, in turn, over time, resulted in the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. But even though the city laid in ruins, God's plans had not changed. God began to pull on the heart of Nehemiah to weep for a city and to lead a team that would transform the ruins and revive the people. He chose a man to take on this big project in order to rebuild what had been brought down. So the book of Nehemiah, it, it begins by Nehemiah meeting up with some men from Judah. And these, these men come in, and as they're talking, Nehemiah is, is asking. He says, so what's happening with the Jews? The ones have been, uh, who have escaped the exile, and they were, they're still alive. Like, 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 how are they anyway? And how is the city of Jerusalem? These guys were like, well, that remnant, what you're talking about, they're kind of in a lot of trouble. Um, it's not good right now. The walls of the city are broken down. The gates that were protecting the city have been burned. They were set on fire, and now they're destroyed. See, Nehemiah is just having this polite conversation. He's kind of like he's been wondering how they were. So he asked the question, and, and, and then it, it went from, like, surface to deep real quick. Have you ever been there? 
where you, you walk into maybe Starbucks on a Monday morning and you ask the person serving up your coffee, you say, so how are you today? Thinking they'll be like, I'm good. And then they take you seat six feet down into a black hole, despair and disappointment of how everything has gone wrong and life's no good. And they still have six more hours on shift. I mean, I am all about openness, authenticity, honesty, vulnerability. But when it's 7 a.m. and I haven't had coffee yet, like, it's going to take me a minute to process that. Nehemiah was ready. Nehemiah was ready. He had hit his heart. He had wanted to know. So he asked these men, he's like, he's like how are these people doing? And when, when he, he got his answer, it triggered a heartfelt response to the call that God had already placed on his life. Now, before we go any further, I have a question. It's very important. Have you ever done Mad Libs? Mad Libs. Okay, uh, Mad Libs is like, uh, if you haven't, it's there's like a story and there's blanks and you have to, someone will um, just ask for like a noun, an adjective, a pronoun, things like that. And you don't know the story and they fill in the blanks and then after they'll read you the story with your words in there and it's supposed to be very funny. Um, it helps if you put in good words, like crazy words. Um, I was pretty good with literature, like English in school. And then we got to that whole unit on grammar and sentence and pronouns, nouns, adjectives, verbs, sentence, fragments, and run-on sentences and all those things. Okay, I remember my literature professor starting with this. He's like, I'm just going to give you guys a warning right now. These next few weeks are going to be the most boring weeks of your life. Okay, this is a man who loved Loved English, loved literature. He's like, this is going to be literature hell. That's what he said to us. He said, I'm telling you, just resolve right now to push through. It will not be fun. I don't even plan on wasting the energy to make it fun for you because it would be improbable that I would be successful in that. This is what he's telling us, okay? This, I think I'm a sophomore at this point. Okay, he's like, let's all just agree to grin and bear it. It's mandatory. We have to get through it. So take lots of notes, get lots of sleep, eat a good breakfast, try to stay awake. This is what you're saying to a bunch of 15-year-olds. We're <laughs> like, okay, this brings me back to Mad Libs. When you take some of the teaching from those weeks of pain from that literature class into a game with the nouns, the pronouns, the adjectives, how this is fun, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how this is fun. Okay, and there is a season in life, correct me if I'm wrong, that Mad Libs come into play. I don't know. Is there a season, if parents just agree right now, there's a season of life where this, it's like a specific time in a child's life where suddenly they discover this game. And that's all you do all day long for weeks on end. You do Mad Lib after Mad Lib after Mad Lib. It's right around the time that they discover the jokes on the Laffy Taffy rappers. It's the same time. It's the same time. Yeah, help us, Lord. Okay, so if I have to laugh at one more Laffy Taffy joke or come up with a noun, pronoun, verb, adjective, um, I might wanna choke myself. Um, now, if you love Mad Libs and Laffy Taffy jokes, you know, I apologize. You know, 
to each his own. You are free to do that. Me, on the other hand, I'm just over here celebrating that seasons of life come and go, and I am out of that season. Praise be the Lord. Uh, my kids have outgrown it. So that's great. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be his name. Anyway, back to the Bible. You're like, what on earth are you talking about? Here is Nehemiah. He is casually inquiring about these exiled Jews. And then this news startles him right into noun town. It starts with the people and moves to the place and then launches him into a thing. Nehemiah 1, 3. And they said to me, the remnant, this is the people, there in the province who escape exile are in great trouble and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem, this is the place, is broken down and its fortified gates are destroyed by fire. Verse 4, when I heard this, I sat down and I wept and mourned for days and fasted and prayed. This is the thing. Constantly before the God of heaven, the person, the place, and the thing. Nehemiah began to weep. His heart was had. This wasn't a basic prayer, people. This was deep. This was a few levels down. This was intercession. This was a deep cry. Why? Because when a city is laid bare, the people are exposed. They were at risk. See, there is a difference between a now I lay me down to sleep, God bless this food, amen, prayer, and the mourning and the fasting and the posture of a contending prayer. Much care, much prayer. See, it doesn't matter how much we know. It doesn't matter how much knowledge or information or experience we have if we don't care because people won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You'll know friends care by how much they're willing to share with you. You also know their care by the size of their prayer. If I ever tell you, text you, message you, Facebook you, and say I'm praying for you, I am. I am. I know sometimes we hear that a lot. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. And it's not just a lay me down to sleep prayer. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm calling out to God for you on behalf of you. I won't just say it. The posture of Nehemiah's heart graced him to do whatever it took to accomplish the mission God had placed on him. He wept for a city. He began owning the sins of a nation. He began pleading for forgiveness. He began reminding God of his word to redeem, his power to complete, and his mercy to give. So what promises has God made in your life? What promises would, would you like to just bring up to him in conversation today? Because I promise you, he will not be offended. He won't even be surprised. He is faithful to his promises, and he has not forgotten what he has said to you. And as we remind God of his promises, he reminds us of ours. See, I believe today that God is calling our hearts, many of, many of you, many of us, 
today to come back into alignment, to straighten that alignment with him, to do what he has put in our hearts to do. Because there is a call. There is a call to a person. There is a call to a place. And there is a call to a thing today. Some of you, you're like, I feel, I feel, I feel called to a person. I've been feeling it for a while or a people group. See, Nehemiah asked about these Jews, the remnant, and they weren't okay because they were unsafe and they were hurting. Some of us will be called to that, to a people who are hurting, who are unsafe, who need something. Maybe it's just one person that God's been laying on your heart. You've felt it, but you've dismissed it maybe for a little bit. You're like, I'm not sure. It's time to say your full yes. It's time to say your full yes to that person. Maybe you're called to a place. Maybe you're feeling this draw, this pull to a place. This was the walls. This was Jerusalem destroyed, the gates burned by fire, leaving this dangerous exposure. And it couldn't stay like this. Nehemiah is like, it can't stay like that. I can't leave that city like that. I got to do something. I'm called to a place. But it was just, it could be hard to leave. If you're called to a place and you've been fighting it because it's just so hard to leave, I'm challenging you this morning to say your full yes. What are you waiting for? Maybe it's here. You're like, I feel called to here. Great. Come on, let's do it. Let's rebuild it. Maybe it's somewhere else, a new job placement, another church, another school, another land. You've been struggling with that going part because it's hard to uproot. But Jesus, but Jesus, he is worthy. He is worth it. It's time to say your full yes. And some of us, God's calling us to a thing. It's to a thing. It's to a project. God was drawing Nehemiah to rebuild this city. He was, he was drawing him for a mission, for a job, for a, a, an opportunity to do something big. And Nehemiah began to weep and fast and pray. So what is this thing that God has been calling you to do? What has been burning on your heart? that you haven't said anything about. I challenge you to do this. Say something. Say something. (laughs) There's accountability in that. I've been there. I was on a bus once, and I had this word, this prophetic word for this person, and it was like really, I mean, if I was wrong, it was going to be really wrong, you know? It was like kind of like a name, and like it was very, very specific, and it it would have been really, really wrong, and I, I was so scared. My family was there, and it was just, and finally I leaned over to Craig, and I said, oh, I have a word for that guy right there, and I knew the minute I say it, now I have to do it because he's going to be like, well, <laughs> what are you waiting for? He could get off at any time. Say something. Say something. Why does God have to keep bringing it up to you? (laughs) It's time to do something. So what is it? Is it a person? Is it a place? Is it a thing for you? Maybe it's all three. I know for me it is today. Because I feel called to you. To hear and to the purpose of God for this house. It has taken me. 
my heart is had. How do I know? Because I couldn't stand here otherwise. It would be too hard. But for Jesus, it's not hard. It's not hard. I already said yes. And how could, how could I stand here and complain of my sacrifice to the one who has literally given it all? How can we complain of our sacrifice to the one who gave everything? Ours fail in comparison to what he's given. Listen, sometimes the call is clear. Sometimes it's cluttered. However, there is always a way to bring it into focus. The main way I find my call or things that are cluttered in my life to bring into focus is through prayer. It's through prayer. It, you, it may seem like a basic answer, but it is the number one answer. Prayer. It will bring alignment. Um, our youth pastor, Stephanie, uh, told me recently that uh, she came to youth early one night, very early. She was here by herself, and she uh, she had texted us, I think, a couple of days before, asking us where the anointing oil was in the church. And she grabbed it, and she went through the youth room, and she just kind of anointed everything and prayed over everything just by herself. She did the whole thing. And she said to us, uh, I think, a few days later, she said, never have I been more focused and clear in my discernment than I was that night. See, there's something about prayer that can bring that cluttered feeling into clarity. I'm going to end in just a, a couple minutes here. But there's one last thing that I want to just end with to tie this in. and It's in the book of Solomon. Song of Solomon 2 and 15. Song of Solomon. The context here is a man speaking to his wife, and the allegory is this love relationship between God and Israel. And Solomon is being identified as God and the woman with Israel. And this context in the Old Testament, whereas the New Testament is the parallel to Jesus and his love for the church. As Solomon is referenced in many books of the Bible, Samuel, Psalms, Matthew, as a type of Christ. And the verse goes like this. It says, take for us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards of our love, for our vineyards are in blossom. And another translation that says this, you must catch the troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship, for they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them from me? We will do it together. See, when a vineyard is in blossom, there is a beautiful fragrance that will fill the air. And it is all-encompassing. And it's hard to imagine anything else in that moment. It's all you can smell and feel. I don't know if you've ever been on the ride soaring over California in California Adventure. And when you go through the orange fields, when you're flying over that, and then they release the smell of the oranges, it's like, it's amazing. This is how we feel in our times of closeness with Jesus or when we're having success in life, or even sometimes just a good day. You know, we just feel great in that moment. The instruction in this verse specifically 
is it coming from a time of hardship? Because we can often see we have work to do when things are tough, right? When we look around and things are hard, we're like, yes, we need to rebuild. Yes, we need to do this. Yes, we need to do that. But when things begin to, to turn around and we're blossoming and there's a beautiful fragrance, it's that's then that they're talking about that we are at risk to miss the sly little foxes that are sneaking through the vineyard. If this is a hard season for you, for many of us it is, you might be like, oh, I'm not, I'm good then. I don't need to watch out for the sly little foxes because I'm not blossom. <laughs> it's like the highlight in the middle of the low light. But what I, what I want us to think about and pause for a moment and think, if you are in that difficult season where you're looking around and like, man, things are rough. Think for a moment, is it possible that the foxes have already been in your vineyard, in my vineyard, and already destroyed it? Is our current pain a result of a missed fox during a past season of plenty? Maybe years ago when things were good, going well, maybe months ago, Strong, in bloom, beautiful fragrance filled the air. Maybe the little foxes snuck in. Maybe we saw them and we didn't do anything. Maybe we didn't. We missed them. Maybe some other people saw them, didn't take the time to catch them. Then those little foxes grow big. And they become more damaging and more destructive. And now there's a dry, empty, fruitless ground. And it's hard, and you're tired, and you're disappointed that you missed it. Friends, it's not over. It's not over. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's time for a fresh start and a new beginning. It's time to clean it, to seed it to water it, and to grow it. Come on. It's time to clean it. It's time to seed it, to water it, and to grow it once again. It is not over. It is not over. God is not done with you. He is not done with me. He is not done with this church. He is not done with La Mesa. He is not done with our nation. He is not done with the nations of the world through your life. It is not over, but it is time to rebuild again. It's seed time. It's seed time. Just because the foxes came in once and we failed to see them doesn't mean we have to live into destruction. It doesn't mean we have to just look around and be the way it is. We can rebuild. We can recede. We can do better next time. I know you can. I know I can. We can do better. See, the call today is to turn over that clear ground and to plant the new seed. It's seed time. The call moving forward, though, is to keep watch. We're not going to let those foxes back in. Keep watch because the blooming season is coming again where the fragrance will fill the air again and everything will be good and God will be pouring and there will be 
pouring out in, in signs and wonders. And he'll be pouring out in his goodness. And we'll be feeling the presence of God like never before. And in those times, we will watch for those little foxes trying to sneak in our vineyard. The command, in essence, is take preventative measures to protect our love, this love, from anything that could harm it. Preventative measures to protect our love, God's love for the church, his love for our city, his love for one another, our love for one another, our love for one another, to protect it from anything that could harm it. So today, if we feel ourselves, if you feel yourself backpedaling, you're like, man, my life, I guess I just left some foxes in, <laughs> and I didn't know it, and I didn't realize it, but I can see it now. It's never too late to take the preventative measures to protect the forward-moving future of your life. And it starts with you and I here today, and it starts with a, a choice. Let's stand as I end today. This choice, hear me now, is not a banding together in disgruntled work together because of what we're against. <laughs> I will never let that happen again. It's not that. It's not that. It's not that. But it's us separately in pursuit, but together in unity of pursuit. Linking up, going forward because of what we're for and who we're for and who we love and who we love. In righteousness, in holiness, in tenacity, in 100% spirit-led, spirit-led. This is a holy resolve to lead well. Right now, how I want to close is with this. I want to pray over you this morning that God would release and deposit revelation over your minds and over your spirit so you could see the past for what it was. You can see the here and now for what it is. And you can see what's coming for what will be according to his plans. So if you want that, feel free to put your hands out or however you want it, whatever your posture is to receive right now. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your fresh revelation from heaven that is our bread, that is our nourishment, that is the, 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 the goodness of God just deposited on our lives so that we can see through your lens. So I pray right now for each and every one that is saying, yes, 
God, I want fresh revelation today. I want to hear from you today. I want to see my past for what it was according to how you see it. I want to see my here and now for what it is according to how you see it. And I want to see my future for what it will be according to how you see it in Jesus' name. So I release revelation from heaven right now over every one that's saying, yes, Lord, I want fresh revelation in Jesus' name. Gather, open our minds, open our minds, open our eyes in your name that we would only see the way you see, that we would only hear the things you hear in your name. God, that we could move forward in the plans and the destiny and the mission to that person, to that place, to that thing, whatever it will be. God, we say yes to you today, to the call in your name, in your name, and for your glory for your glory. Tell him it's for his glory. For your glory, God. For your glory. For your glory. Come on. Just lift it up just for a minute. For your glory, God. We say yes to you. No matter what it is, we say yes to you. No, no assignment is too big. We will say yes to you because we know that you are with us. You are with us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen.